Hi there, and welcome to my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. I'm Catherine, and I am so glad to welcome you here. Let's discover together interesting facts about fashion and history and fashion history. Today, I'm going to talk about a period of time that has been fascinating me since I was 11 years old. Maybe even my first cultural crush, ancient Egypt. I remember that time when our history teacher, who happened to have worked in Cairo before being transferred to our countryside secondary school in France, following the official history program, started to speak about ancient Egypt, showing papyruses and pictures from the Museum of Cairo and the pyramids. I became so passionate that I wanted to be an Egyptologist, to be the new Champollion and decipher these mysterious hieroglyphs, or the new Howard Carter and discover the unviolated tomb of a long-forgotten pharaoh. I was reading everything I could find on the topic, and I remember how excited I was when, as a Christmas present, I received a big, beautiful book on ancient Egypt with plenty of pictures. And during all my teenager years, I was only speaking about ancient Egypt, the mythology, divinities, pharaohs, you name it. And you can ask my family and friends, they still remember my Egyptian period. By reading many books, fictional stories, by watching movies, you start to have a certain visual forming in your brain each time you mention ancient Egypt. This replicas of papyruses, frescoes and statues give us an idea on how this antique society used to be organized and used to dress itself. I guess you already have pictured a walk like an Egyptian type of person with a front torso and a profile face. But ancient Egypt was more than this simplified representation. It was an empire built alongside the, the Nile River up to modern Sudan, ruled by a pharaoh, a king, who was considered as a god himself. They venerated a range of powerful gods and goddesses and also strongly believed in the afterlife. And it's interesting to mention that not just men could access to the highest position, pharaoh. You have examples of powerful women as pharaoh. Just take the example of the famous Cleopatra, who managed to seduce two Roman emperors. But this is more towards the end of ancient Egypt and its assimilation to the Roman Empire. If we go back, you had the powerful Hatshepsut, a queen of the 18th dynasty and the second female pharaoh after Subekneferu in the ancient Egyptian history. If you compare with the other main European civilizations of the antiquity period, the Greeks and the Romans, ancient Egyptians were quite into gender diversity when it came to ruling the empire. For the ancient Greeks and ancient Romans, women were having the same rights as children. No way for them to imagine a woman ruling the empires. They wouldn't even let them study. I read a story about an ancient Greek woman during the 4th century before Christ, Agnodice, who went studying medicine in Egypt as women were showed more respect there than in Greece. 
Can you imagine? Ancient Egyptian women could be doctors, priests or scribes. Yes! A gender equalitarian European ancient civilization. That when we imagine ancient Egypt, we also imagine gold, gems, stones, naked women. Yes, it's quite hot over there. Wigs, big eyes underlined with coal. And I forgot mummies and cats. Because of the weather, the location of the empire in the middle of a desert crossed by the Nile River, clauses during that time were embracing these conditions. And people, no matter their social categories, would wear sensibly the same outfit, if not being completely naked. Depending on the social category you would belong to, you would have certain ways of dressing, or truer, using certain types of fabrics. Everything depended on your economical background. If you had the means to afford, well, buy it. However, you shouldn't dress better than the pharaoh and its queens. The most elaborated dresses, the finest fabrics, the richest accessories were reserved for the elite. How was it in practice? Well, let me introduce you to Amenhotep. We will follow his life in our today's podcast. Amenhotep is a young man born in an influenced family during the reign of Ramses II which is considered as the golden age of ancient Egypt story. Amenhotep enjoyed life, as most of his contemporaries, hearts, plays, and had many friends to go hunting with. Though not such a religious man per se, he would from time to time go to the temple to, pray, to pay tribute to the god Amon, the god of sun, who gave him his name, Amenhotep meaning peace of Amon. To dress, Amenhotep would wear one piece of fabric he would fasten around his waist. The name of this outfit was Shandit. It's a garment looking like a kilt, usually pleated in two layers tied together and including a triangle part on the front to hide the genitals. At that time, people didn't really tailor their outfits. It was basically a piece of fabric they would wrap around their body. The shandit was available in different lengths. You could have shorter versions, mostly worn by farmers or slaves or soldiers, as they needed to have their legs free to easily move, work or run. Sometimes, as we can see on some frescoes, statues or papyruses, pharaohs could also wear a, so a short version of the shandit up to the knees. Priests would wear a longer version until the ankles. The fabrics used to create the shandit would be linen and most of the time in white colors to reflect the sun. You had versions in leather or even in fur, but these versions would be just for the upper class. Good to notice, leopard and lion skins were reserved for the pharaohs. Our young Amenhotep would have one leather shandit in a wardrobe, of course. And what about women, would you ask me? Were they dressed like Elizabeth Taylor in the movie Cleopatra? Or Monica Bellucci in Asterix and Obelix Cleopatra Mission for the French listeners? Well, 
Let's look at Amenhotep's sister, Anipé. Anipé is a young ancient Egyptian woman well aware of her beauty and status and determined to become a scribe in the temple of Isis, the supreme goddess. As for her brothers, her name also has a meaning. Daughter of the Nile River. As all women of her time, Anipé would wear the Calasiris. This poetic name, almost sounding like a flower name, referred to the long dress ancient Egyptian women would wear. It was a long piece of pleated at knot fabrics worn up to the ankles. Different draping versions existed, featuring straps at the shoulders and covering the breasts, or a shawl effect to protect the arms of the wearer. On the top of the Calasiris, women would also wear a shawl. As for Shandit, the Calasiris was usually white, made of linen or muslin fabrics. Of course, the most delicate and the more see-through fa the fabric was, the higher the rank of the wearer was. Our young Anipe would wear a linen Calasiris to go to a scribe lesson and a transparent muslin one inside the palace of a family to receive a parent's important friend. And when she was with her friends, she would be naked most of the time, her body decorated with heavy and beautiful jewelry. Because yes, ancient Egyptians were fond of jewelry. And they were as big and rich as the outfits themselves were simple. Jewelry didn't just to have ornamental functions or to show the social rank of their wearers. Jewelry also acted as amulets, representing divinities or hieroglyph formula to protect them against the evil eye. Our young Amenhotep would always wear a hieroglyph cartouche with an incantation to his namesake god Amon, while his sister Hanipe would wear a cartouche with a prayer to her goddess Isis. But some people would wear Ankh symbol the symbol of life, or scarab, symbolizing the other god's son, Re, as amulet. Eagle, also, was a very common feature for jewelry, for the power associated with this animal. As we said, jewelry is heavily contrasted with sobriety of ancient Egyptian outfits. They were made of gold most of the time. Gold was symbolizing the flesh of gods for ancient Egyptians featuring bright colored stones as carnelian, amethyst, jasper, turquoise, and lapis lazuli. The latter being imported from the faraway Afghanistan was only for the pharaohs and the gods. Both men and women were wearing jewelry as earrings, cuffs, necklaces, neck collars, or pectorals. Only people from the upper society could afford these types of ornament though the working class would make jewelry from colored pottery beads. An interesting fact to notice also is that each gem and stone used in jewelry had a meaning for ancient Egyptians. For example, the emeralds uh, symbolizing immortality and fertility, while the malachite uh, was to promote healing. Garnet symbolized the extremes of anger and fire and victory and life. Turquoise was symbolizing life and happiness. Carnelian was believed to purify the blood and symbolize stability and protection. 
the obsidian symbolized death and the amethyst denoted royalty. Our young heroes will also wear wigs. Wigs were an important accessorize of the ancient Egyptian look for both men and women from the upper class. Most of the time, ancient Egyptians would shave their heads and wear dark-haired wigs. These wigs, made of human hairs, could have different lengths and different stylings. If you look at statues and papyruses, for example, we can notice tightly curled styles or braided wigs. Wigs could also be accessorized with jewelry as bed ornaments, gold or stones accessorized as a status symbol. You could have hairbands or bigger hair accessories featuring divinities for protection. The pharaoh, depending on the occasion or the divinity he wanted to pay tribute to, would wear different types of crowns. The best known is the two crown Deshret and Ejet, forming the chant, symbolizing the Lower Egyptian and Upper Egyptian territory uni unified. On the top of the wigs, people would wear perfume cones. Ancient Egyptians were really into hygiene, and it was common to welcome guests by offering them a perfume cone so that they can feel fresh after their travel in the desert dust and the heat. These perfume cones were not only releasing a pleasant fragrance, but were also conditioning the hairs of their wigs. To go along well with their accessories, ancient Egyptians would make up. I think that the most emblematic makeup we associate with ancient Egypt is the long dark line around the eyes, the Egyptian eyes as I name it. Cycling the eye with coal was at the beginning more health practice than a beauty one. Egypt being surrounded by desert and sand and dust, it was easy to have eye infections which could lead to you losing your sight and becoming blind. Ancient Egyptians were very good doctors and they understood the power of protecting the eyes with a line of coal. It became then a beauty habit adopted by both men and women. They would also paint their lips in red with ochre, use malachite to create eye shadow and would paint their nails and hands with henne, a tradition we still see in Middle East countries. And what about footwear? Ancient Egyptians could go barefoot, but to protect their feet from rocks, stones, any pointy things you could meet on the floor, as well as snakes' bites or any pleasant-like insect as scorpions, they would wear a sandal-like footwear made of leather or papyrus. The papyrus version could have the end going backward to create a curve that will protect the toys. Very handy! when you were riding a horse and you wanted to have your feet protected from stones. Now you have a full picture of how Amenhotep and Anipé were dressed. Imagine now that you're invited to the palace of their parents. Amenhotep would welcome you wearing a long white linen shanded, a gold neck collar embedded with colorful stones. His eyes would be underlined with coal and he would wear a short, dark, shiny wig with a cone perfume on the top. 
his sister Anipe would wear a very transparent muslin calasiris, accessorized with big gold earrings, necklaces with stones, curves on her arms. Her dark wig would be accessorized with beds and a stone and gold hairband with a calm perfume. She would come towards you with a calm perfume that you would also put on your head and you would follow them inside the palace to enjoy the fresh atmosphere and refreshments your hosts would offer you. Outside, the Nile River would flow, bringing life, and the sun god Amonra would start his journey to the land of the dead, offering you a flamboyant sunset, mirroring on the water of the Nile and giving the scenery around you tones of reds and oranges before the dark of the night. I got a bit carried away with my imagination, but how couldn't I by this fascinating civilization? And I am not the only one. Ancient Egypt has been a source of inspiration from many designers. Look at Chanel pre-fall 2019 collection in which you can see clear references to the Ancient Egypt civilization or Givenchy Fall 2016 collection, or John Galliano for his Fall 1997 collection, or Christian Dior for its Spring 2024 collection, Zuhair Muhad for his Spring Summer 20 collection, and even Paco Rabanne in the 60s. Or, did you think about that? The dancing beaded dresses of the flappers in the 20s were inspired by ancient Egypt. Yes, you see, a lot. And did you know that ancient Egyptians had gods associated to fabrics, clothing and weaving? Fashion gods in a sense? They were Ejhotep, the god of fabrics and cloth, and the goddess Tite. Let's pay tribute to them. Should it be from makeup, jewelry, outfit patterns, modern days designer have looked at the past and at the incredible richness of ancient Egypt. You turn now to spot any ancient Egypt references in the collections of your favorite designers. And head up to my blog, my blog box, and to my Instagram, cat at my marketing toolbox for visuals related to ancient Egypt and feel free to share with me your discoveries. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this short fashion stories in ancient Egypt. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen your podcast to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to have a look at my blog to complete the podcast with a visual diary. I am Catherine, and this is my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. See you next week!